3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. God, if you want to make money, I'm just trying to, well, how about entertain and teach? So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Are we just going to perfectly repeat the brief but horrible bear market of 2011? That's what I think when I see the industrials and the banks take a header today as Wall Street worries that the debt ceiling crisis could do some serious damage to the actual economy. That's how you get another not so hot day where the Dow dip nine points said, point one six percent and the Nasdaq fell 035 percent. Drib drab down. Like I have said before, 2011, the last real bad debt ceiling fight gives you a good playbook for the current moment. But there are also some big differences. In 2011, it was a horrendous period full of idiotic partisan bickering. However, there was a scintilla of good faith on both sides and we ended up with a painful budget compromise. The house of pain. That everybody could live with, even as nobody was particularly happy with it. This time it feels like the Republicans will be fine triggering a default that might lead to recession because that could crush Biden's chances of reelection next year. Meanwhile, the Democrats don't want to negotiate at all. They think they can successfully blame the GOP when your social security checks stop coming. None of our leaders seems worried about what will happen if the government can't pay its bills because both parties are convinced the other side will take the blame. In 2011, there was actually what I call a mutually assured destruction, MAD. Both sides knew they had to blame or else this time, we don't have anywhere near that urgency. But maybe the politicians will change their two months. we get closer and closer to the deadline and big business starts freaking out. Now, in the end, I still think President Biden has to compromise because he wants to get reelected. No sitting president wants to be on the hook for messing up with Medicare or Social Security in an election year. That's why I think Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen may be trying to set up a gigantic credit line with America's most solid banks to cover Social Security and national debt claims for a couple of weeks until they get this worked out. But what does it mean for you? And that's what I care about. First, if we're reliving 2011, you need to have a little more cash than usual. That's what I've been saying. Back then, we fell 19 percent from peak to 12 through the difficult negotiations, followed by a ridiculous debt downgrade from Standard & Poor's. I know I'm starting to sound like a scold about this, but it could be even worse this time because there is zero good faith uh, and and the, the polls don't even seem to be taking it seriously it's like they want it to happen. When will this all occur? I think it could be sooner than the last week of May, which is what people are looking for right now, because tax receipts from the IRS were weaker than expected. So this weekend, we'll hear more details about default plans and what they look like, plus dreadful rhetoric about each side and how they actually don't want it to fall. (laughs) We also have to deal with the possibility of another regional bank getting seized by the FTC to prevent a run. No need to single one out. It's the usual California bank run suspects. The FDIC is so, so clueless. They could just pull the plug on a bank without even without any notice. So in keeping with the confines of our game plan, on Monday, we find out how much further apart the two parties are and which bank, if any, is in receivership. Tuesday, though, we go back to our regularly scheduled business programming with the stock of Home Depot. Home Depot's reporting. Earlier this week, I told you there's a lot of professional refurbishment going on. Maybe that cuts well for Home Depot. But I'd like to hear a candid discussion about theft. Pilfridge. Yes, I want all retailers to own up to how bad things have gotten, not just the drugstore chains. Then maybe we can change something. The best quarter of the week, I think it's going to come from On Holdings. That's that Swiss sneaker company that's been growing like a weed. Roger Federers is in there. I like the fact that this company got to a billion dollars in sales much faster than Nike did back in the day. This company is the one to watch. We also get retail sales on Tuesday, and we might see some real cracks in consumer spending related to fears of both the recession and a lack of federal payments from the debt default. Yes, the ramifications are that obvious. Why do I know that? Because that's what happened in 2011. To make things more miserable for the bulls, we have two unreconstructed hawks for the Fed talking. We've got Loretta Mester, and uh, she's in the morning, followed by John Williams in the afternoon. While their hard line on inflation and the need for more interest rate increases made plenty of sense a few months ago, it's downright dangerous. Now that we've got a bank run and debt to stand off. I mean, come on, guys. Look at the headlines. Wednesday morning, we get a read from Target, which has been struggling of late, only because we're in a very difficult moment for many of their aisles, especially the ones that are carrying hard goods, which aren't selling well. It's become too hard to predict how well this kind of retailer might do when the environment's so tricky, even though it's so well run. I don't feel that way about TJX, so the all-price chain we own for the Chapel Trust that does best when stores like Bed Bath are closing and people want to trade down to cheaper but just as good merchandise. After the close, we get results from Cisco, and the giant networking place should have a good quarter. But it's become hopelessly out of favor with the analyst community. Cisco reported an excellent quarter last go-around, but it was panned anyway. That's just living off its backlog without new orders coming in. Next, I'm getting a sense that Take-Two Interactive, that's the video game maker, might be due for a, let's say, a change of fortune. Last time around, CEO Strauss Zellner came here, right here, and told us he was not happy with his own performance. You know what? I don't see that happening again. Now, of course, we'll be covering all these issues, especially TJX, at the Investing Club monthly meeting. A lot of you got some very nice notes this week about what we're up to with the club. I am informing you of this because I think you will enjoy it and you should sign up. We might have good news Thursday morning, that's Walmart and Alibaba's Alibaba's time to shine. A Walmart stock has been meandering higher, and its Walmart Plus service is starting to really gain some momentum. That's a recipe for some better-than-expected numbers. I like Alibaba going into the quarter because China wants to unload more IPOs on our markets, not theirs. So why wouldn't their government help Alibaba have a surprise profit. It's the most powerful dictatorship in the world. You really think the Communist Party can't put their thumb on the profit scale? Speaking of China, applied materials the semiconductor equipment maker with a substantial Chinese business reports that evening. And I wonder whether that'll put a damper on results that might otherwise begun to show momentum now that the semiconductor inventory club for so many different industries. Even PCs could be running its course. Finally, on Friday, J-PAL, the Fed chief participates in a panel about monetary policy. Now, this man got horse sense. I think he'll acknowledge that acknowledge I like that new word. Acknowledge that inflationary numbers have to be balanced with the debt ceiling fears, and say the Fed has to wait and see what the partisan rancor might mean in terms of consumer and corporate credit and your spending. Hopefully. He'll also talk about the bank runs and the possibility of a credit crunch because of them. Because I want him to understand the whole mosaic of what's going on, not just some number from a producer price number for heaven's sake, even though that was good. We got two big reports on Friday, too, Foot Locker and Deer. Now, we got a small position in Foot Locker for the trust. We want to get bigger but because we think Mary Dillon, the new CEO, previously turned around Ulta Beauty, is now in the process of turning around Foot Locker. But it's going to be a long turn. While this should not be a particularly important quarter, we like the 4% yield because they're paying you to wait until she does get it together, and I think she will because I think she's so amazing. Finally, there's deer, which as a function of crop forecast. We don't know how things are shaping up, but we do know agriculture is fickle. So it's best to keep your bat on your shoulder and wait for better, less dicey times. That's certainly a possibility once we get this debt ceiling fixed. I'm going to be drilling down on it because I do like the stock down here. But the bottom line, I doubt we'll fix the debt ceiling crisis next week, so steel yourself what could be, yes, indeed, as per per the 2011 playbook, another difficult week ahead of us. Mandy and Marilyn. Mandy.
4: Hi, Jim. How are you doing? I am doing well,
3: Mandy. I'm all fired up for Mother's Day. How about you? Oh, me too. Thank you so much for taking my call. Of course. I... uh, i would like to also thank you and your crew for all you do and educating us i oh, really appreciate you. it thank yes, you yes doc i'm looking for is el is it a buy or should okay. i well, this is Estee Lauder. This is a club name. We have made so much money in this, but it turned into a disappointment this week. Now, I've been dealing with Fabrizio Freida, whom I've known for a very long time. He's the CEO. He did have too much inventory in the channel, so to speak, and that means that there are a lot of duty-free stores that had too much of his product. I am a believer in Fabrizio Freida. I am not going to think that this man is going to screw up a second time, just like Strauss Zelnick. I don't think he's going to do it. So my take is bet with Estee, not. Uh, Against and because I just mentioned it, I will not be able to buy it. But I do have a Wednesday club meeting, and I will explain all my analysis for Estee Lauder. Chad in Virginia. Chad.
4: Hey, Jim, happy Friday. So So, Topgolf Callaway Brands is the stock. I thought it was a good report, Jim, aside from the comments that we got uh, a little bit lower on the guidance in the near term.
3: Well, that guidance killed us, Chad. You know, we really believe that this one We misjudged this. We felt that this has become a great way for people to socialize. We were shocked that they didn't deliver the number and shocked and disappointed, I may add. And I would love Chip Brewer to come back on the show and explain to us how it could have been that bad a quarter. Because, wow, it was not good at all. All right. We could be in for another difficult week unless we get a resolution of the debt ceiling. We're playing out the 2011 playbook, so raise some cash if you haven't done yet, like we have for the club, in order to be prepared for whatever might come next because it's probably initially going to be negative. Oh, man, buddy, tonight is a turnaround underway at Lyft. I sat down with the company's new CEO earlier today, and I got to read into the new feature that could make airport travel a lot easier and less of a terror for you. And we all know China's reopening, but what's the best way to play it? I'm reviewing the latest quarter from Macau Player Win Resorts to see if it could be a long-term winner for you. And with all the market volatility that we've been seeing out there, you know what we gotta do, we gotta play MI, diversify. So stay with Kramer.
0: Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: What's it gonna take for Lyft to turn things around? The number two ride sharing company has pretty clearly lost its battle with Uber, something they've pretty much even admitted themselves. So now they're starting to come back with a new strategy. And that's why Lyft brought in a seasoned technology executive as its new CEO. He's already making waves, including with a massive round of layoffs that cut roughly 26% of Lyft's workforce. But how can he stabilize the business and make the company more competitive. Earlier today, we got a chance to speak with David Richer. He's the new CEO of Lyft. Take a look. Welcome to Mad Money. Hey, it's great to be here. All right, so I think it's very exciting he took this post, but I have to ask you point blank. What makes you, David Richer, think that you can take this company and make it successful? <laughs> I love that question. And people ask me
5: that, but I say, look, Everything I've been doing for the last 20 years has led up to this. So, I was at Microsoft in the early days, very competitive, love it. I was at Amazon, super customer focused, to help them build a $4 billion business by the time I left. I was the 37th employee at Amazon, crazy. And then, World Reader. I mean, this is an organization I founded to get children reading. And we got 21 million kids reading over the last 14 years using technology. So if we can get 21 million kids reading, I think we can get Lyft, you know, up
3: and running again uh, in a bigger way, too. Or I think that's uh, apropos of what I'm thinking, which is that you've accomplished a great deal. Mm. But someone might be saying he's up against Uber, yeah. even with the, with the people who have done. He's helped to learn, read and these great organizations. Uber's king. Mm. How do you dethrone a king or do you not even need to do that? look i don't
5: need to dethrone a king it's actually this is a market that wants to have two players in it okay so customers riders want it right because think about you want two apps on your phone you want one to check and then the other to check because sometimes one will let you down i hope it's never us i want us to be more customer focused than they are but i think it's not a bad thing to have, a, have two mar- and then same on drivers drivers want two. so look i don't have to dethrone them i'll say one more thing though which is five years from now I hope people are no longer asking about Uber and Lyft. I hope what they're saying is, look what an amazing experience Lyft has created that's helped us get out and live our lives.
3: Well, one of the things that I think you've immediately addressed is a terror point for all of us, Mm. which is, the airport yeah there is that moment and i think all of us experience it with are we calling the wrong time are we in the right place what it is just and you're in a foreign city yeah. that you may think that the whole trip is going to go awry yeah. because of that seven to ten minutes you're addressing that choke point we are yeah it's so interesting you say this look travel is beautiful it's how
5: you get out it's how you explore the world you get out of your own bubble but there's some stressors. And think about it, every time you travel, you go to the airport, you leave the airport, those are never fun. So we just launched yesterday a new feature. It's called Pre-Order, it's got such a simple name, but here's what happens. Plane touches down, as soon as the wheels hit the ground and you open your Lyft app, we'll say, do you have baggage or no? If you don't, you hit go, and by the time you get to the curb, your car will be there. And if you do have baggage, no problem, we'll get it set up, and then when you pick your bags up, boom, by the time you get to the curb, the car's there.
3: Well, it would seem to me that if you wanted to, uh, get a let's say a lifetime, or at least that city's business. It would have to be at that very moment. Yes. It's almost as if In all your work with retail, mm. that inceptional moment is what makes it so. You might just say, "I'm going Lyft all the time."
5: Uh, that's a great observation. I, I will tell you honestly, I hadn't thought of it that way. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, there, there are times in people's lives. You know, you have a child. All of a sudden, you become a very heavy diaper consumer, and that locks in if you're Target. You, you think a lot about that. If you're Amazon, you think a lot about that. If we're us, you think, gosh, a person's just landed. They're, they don't want stress in their life, and if we can, we can get do something great for them now. You're right. Maybe they'll take us, you know, the whole time.
3: Okay, so now uh, the uh, Wall Streeter me says uh, your guidance was below what we thought, mm-hmm. but it's the beginning of a new era. So I don't really care that much about guidance. But when do we know that Lyft is really on its way to where it's a good investment, or is it just a good investment in David Risher right now?
5: Yeah. So that's a good question. Look right so i've been on the job four
3: weeks <laughs> let's start with that I
5: know. i've been busy well let's just make weeks. that
3: decision
5: there right we now. <laughs> there we go but look so the answer to your question is when riders are starting to say man you know what i maybe they maybe they arrive with the other guys and they say you know what? i should have taken a lift but when drivers say, I love riding for Ly- driving for Lyft, that's going to be your big leading indicator that we're on to something. And things like, you know, stock price and guidance, those things, they come along sort of a little bit for the ride. I mean, look, we're going to create a great profitable company. But right now, my focus is on great things for
3: customers. There's something that you said that reminds me of WorldVeter, which you talked about what it does, what your service does for a driver yeah. in terms of putting food on the table that I yeah. thought was very important to talk about.
5: You know, I think this is one of the areas that people misunderstand. We have millions of people make, making billions of dollars on our platform, and they are our drivers. And so, many of them, by the way, are doing it for very specific reasons. You know, I wanna be able to have a great wedding for my daughter, or I wanna be able to take a vacation in you know, a couple of months. And so what they say to me is, when I'm driving for Lyft, I'm never gonna go broke, because I can just drive some more, and I've got control, and I've got control. I don't have to ask my boss if I can go to my brother-in-law's birthday party or whatever it is. So it's such an important piece of work, and I think people misunderstand it. They forget there are two people in every car, and both of them have a real
3: purpose. Now, uh, I was speaking yesterday to a fellow by the name of Kyle Voigt. I don't know if you know him. He's, I don't. He's GM's uh, autonomous guy. Yeah. Uh, we just got auto- autonomous driving in Dallas and Houston. Mm-hmm. have it in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. It is one of the things that you're looking at, well, one, I'm much, I love the fact that drivers are doing well, but I've got to at least give this GM uh, a strategy yeah. a shot. Is it something that's of interest to us? It's very interesting to us. And it's interesting in the following way.
5: You know, autonomous vehicles like, you know, ChatGPT and other things, they sort of feel like, you know, you don't even know what they're doing, and then all of a sudden they're sort of everywhere, right? right? And that's, that's the way it happens. It's true in San Francisco, well, you it's too. Well,
3: true at Amazon. You
5: were there. And this is what happens, exactly. You kind of, it's this, this thing that kind of bumps along in the background, you've heard of it, and all of a sudden it's everywhere. So when it's everywhere, we have to be there. Why? Because think about it from the autonomous vehicle manufacturer side of things. They're going to put billions of dollars, they already have, into R&D. Right? So then they got to make the money back, right? How are they going to do it? It's not just going to be by selling it to folks like you and me, step by step. It's going to be going after whole operations. And we've got an operation of a fleet, effectively, of cars that match driver and rider at huge scale every day. So we're doing everything we can to make sure we're ready for it, uh, autonomous when it comes. And I'm telling you, it's not gonna be tomorrow, but you might be surprised that it comes over the next couple of years a little faster than you think. Okay, would you be
3: uh, willing to go into a car that had no
5: driver? <laughs> I would, and here's what happens. Look, I was in a Lyft two weeks ago in San Francisco, and the driver said, look at that car. He or- that car already drives better than I do. And this was a 60-year-old guy. It's very interesting. He said, look, I'm not worried. I'm looking forward to taking that car myself, and I'm going to be fine. Maybe I'll be, you know, the bartender in the front of the car, like it's a bar car now. I'm not driving. I'm making drinks right. for somebody. I don't know. And he was so not stressed about it. He was just like, this is going to be a great driving experience, even if I'm not
3: actually driving. Okay. Now, just to go back to the nitty-gritty of the yeah. company. Uh, you did put out in your memo, you said that uh, pricing ride sharing will now be, uh, it's going to be competitively. It's going to be competitive. And I was thinking, did you, while you were on the board, did you think that the company did not have competitive pricing in some places?
5: Yeah. Look, prices go up and down all over the place, and different companies have different pricing strategies. But our going forward strategy is to be priced in line with the other guys.
3: All right. Well, so in that sense, what I'm trying to figure out is – I, someone might say, well, what does it matter? What are the t- clear differentiation styles that I should expect between lift and and between Uber, because there's got to be something beyond just the airport strategy. There
5: does, there does. And you know, I mean, I like bringing, you're bringing up airports again, because I think it's an area where we really innovated uh, on behalf of our customers. But let's look at another one. Some segment of of riders every day want to save some money, right? You do, I do, we all like a good deal, right? So we have two different, we and the other guys have two different approaches. Their approach is called shared rides, right? Where, you know, two people get in the car at the same time. Now here's what's funny. Lyft actually started that. We innovated right. around that before the pandemic. But you know what we found? We actually found customers don't love it. Right. This right? is
3: really a differentiating point that
5: I'm glad you bring up. Yeah. We looked at that and said, Jesus, that was a big change by you. It was a So here's the thing. Why did we make the change? We made the change because it turned out people didn't like it that much. You know, I am here. You're the destination. All of a sudden, the car takes off, and now it takes a weird left turn. It's going farther away. It's almost like emotionally hard to sort of be in a car that's driving away from your destination to pick somebody else up. Nobody like it. By the way, Dyro doesn't like it either. It's more pickups, drop-offs, whatever. So what we have is we have wait-and-save. Wait-and-save means take another five or ten minutes, save three, four, five bucks, get a coffee, do some TikTok, whatever you want. And then when you get in the car, you're going to go in the right direction and you're not going to have to wait. And guess what? of our volume is wait and save. So what that shows is two companies in the same market can take the same question, how do I save customers money? One can do it customer-friendly,
3: and then uh, that's us, Lyft, and then the other guys can do it in a different way. Well, I don't mean to put too much pressure on you, but I do feel that to some degree buying Lyft is buying a bet on David Richard. Mm. Is that okay? Are you willing to accept that challenge? <laughs> I
5: mean, look, challenge accepted, sure, why not? But And, and I guess I, to be a little immodest for a sec, if you look at what I've done in the past, you know, build a database up big, build, you know, big company at Amazon, customer-focused and world-reader. I've, I've, but at the end of the day, it's about our customers. If we can do great work for our drivers and our riders, it's going to be a great company. Profitable
3: company, a huge company. We're going to and change you, the world. Then it's going to be a great stuff, too. <laughs> I don't to be too pedestrian after everything you just said, but that's my job, that's too. That's your job. You, do right. what you do me. Well, David, I'm excited that you took this job. It'll be great to watch. David Richard is the CEO of Lyft, and I've got to tell you, people, if you look at his background, you'd be a buyer of Lyft right now. Thank you so much. Hey, man, it's been such a
1: Yes. coming up a win resorts recap can this stock put you in the lap of luxury find out next
0: take your business further with a smart and flexible american express business gold card you can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit u.s restaurants and gas stations That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
4: From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast.
3: Tonight, before we move on to a new week of watching retail earnings reports, monitoring the wobbly regional banks, and wondering whether our politicians will truly let the country default on its debts, I want to take a few minutes to celebrate some good news you may have passed, paid no attention to this past week because it's been such a bad week. See, on Tuesday night, we got this fantastic quarter. It was from Wynn Resorts, the casino company with a bunch of high-end properties in Las Vegas, Macau, to a lesser Boston. Now, this is a stock I like so much that we own it for the charitable trust. But even though I say the quarter was fantastic, the market sure didn't seem to agree. Wynn stock opened up a couple of bucks on Wednesday morning. So far, so good. But then it reversed and finished the day lower. It tumbled 4% yesterday, and then it got hit again today. And therefore, I think it's an incredible buying Ah. opportunity. I say this as someone who's liked Wynn for a long time, arguably recommending it way too soon. We've owned it for the Travel Trust for a couple of years now, betting on the great reopening. But Wynn's got a ton of China exposure through Macau, which accounted for 75 percent of the company's pro, uh, profile before the pandemic. In, the, in other words, all the stuff in America barely moves the needle. And the Chinese economy took forever to reopen. Still, we never totally sold our position this one, betting that the world would eventually go back to normal and this stock would fly. And man, since last summer, Wynn's come roaring back with the stock more than doubling from its lows, although it's been trading sideways for the past few months. If you were getting impatient with this one, the quarter we got this week was incredibly encouraging. Wynn delivered 49% operating revenue growth, with that number coming in substantially better than the expected. Much better. You know, they made 29 cents per share. That's a surprise profit when Wall Street was only looking for a one cent loss. People thought they'd lose money. That's the first time they've turned a profit since the third quarter of 2019. It's been been a long way. Wynn likes to focus on another metric, the earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. And here's a new one, rent costs, which tells you how their ongoing operations are doing. And that number was up 142% year over year. When you look at how some of the individual properties are doing, you can see that Wynn Resorts is winning everywhere. Like I said before, Macau is the key market here, and this quarter Wynn's results for the Macau region came in ahead of expectations thanks to tremendous numbers from its Wynn Palace property, which did great with 126% revenue growth year-over-year. Turns out China's key gambling haven is already on the mend, which can mean quarter after quarter of earnings beats for these guys. Meanwhile, Wynn's flagship Las Vegas property remains (laughs) red-hot. 33% 33% revenue growth. We also got a record-adjusted property, EBITDA. Remember that it's adds the rent thing. Uh, result, thanks in part to a higher-than-normal hold, which is the money they make from betting activity. That said, there's still room for improvement. As win had 88.8% occupancy in Vegas. That's up from just under 77% the year before, but it's still not quite back to the 95% number they put up in the first quarter of 2019 when they were the premier of the premier. Now, how about this new property, Encore Boston Harbor? This one is ramping. Wins Boston Casino had 13 percent revenue growth, with properties uh, seeing record gaming re- revenue and 21 percent growth in non-gaming revenue. Think hotel and drink business. I lived in the Boston metro area for seven years, and it can definitely use the casino. In my day, we can only bet on the ponies and the dogs. But you can't bet on either because they demolished the racetracks. But at least you can go to Encore Boston Harbor. Now, the best thing about this quarter from Wynn, the reason why I'm so perplexed about the sell-off, is that their casinos weren't just strong. More importantly, the the quarter had a great cadence. That means it got better and better from month to month. Management said that Macau actually accelerated in April, which is exactly what you want to see. China just wrapped up their week-long holiday after May Day, and Wynn says this was the best they did in Macau during the week since 2019. Meanwhile, in Vegas, they said this was the best April in the history of the property. And even Boston continued to do it. What the heck is this stock doing going down? Of course, nobody seemed to care about the results because Wynn is the kind of consumer discretionary play that's supposed to get killed during a global slowdown. And everybody assumes we're headed for a slowdown at the very least, possibly an outright recession. The bears figure eventually the consumer will get tapped out and Wynn's business will get pummeled. And we just saw the peak in his business. What can I say? People have been worried about this for a year. Yet Wynn keeps doing great. They're seeing no degradation whatsoever. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. In fact, Wynn's feeling so confident in the future that they finally reinstated the dividend, which they had to suspend in the early days of the pandemic in order to conserve cash. They're now paying a quarterly dividend of 25 cents per share, well, well below the dollar per share we were getting before COVID. Uh, Evan, I got to tell you, I always tell you that a dividend boost is a great sign of confidence because no board wants to roll back the dividend right after announcing it. A dividend is not like a buyback where you can authorize a huge repurchase program but then quietly stop implementing it whenever you feel like it. A dividend is a commitment. You don't bring back that payout if you're worried that the global economy is headed off a cliff. Plus, remember, when everything's going well, Whitten gets the vast bulk of its profits, not from here, but China. And China is very much on the mend. Hey, by the way, I think this dividend has just begun to climb. Is that why Wynn seems so confident in the future? I think China's a lot of it, but there are more positives in the way. Back in January 2022, Wynn announced a new development in the United Arab Emirates, Win Al Marjan. And it's an island. And to me, it sounds like it's you know, wait, its built on one of those man made uh, archipelagos. The UAE's built in the, in the Persian Gulf. This is still in its early stages, but once it is done, 95% of the world's population will be within an eight hour flight of a wind property. Book me. But the reason I'm bringing all this up now is that winds get zero credit for just the terrific quarter they had. The stock's now down more than 5% since it was reported, which is nuts to me. Even as I know, the whole market's been dragged down by debt-low ceilings. Well, this has nothing to do with the debt. And, of course, the stock was arguably due for some uh, profit-taking effort from a spectacular run from from the July lows. I can't wait to talk about this one for the Investing Club on Wednesday. Please join the club. You'll love the analysis. Bottom line, I know there are good reasons to be worried about the U.S. economy, but there are not necessarily reasons to be worried about wind Resorts, which gets the lion's share of his business from a resurgent China. And just reported an excellent set of numbers. What can I say? What more can this market ask for? How about Gregory in California? Gregory.
4: Jim, I'm feeling a little left out on the West Coast on the Fosforo Mezcal Roadshow. When can we get you and Lisa out here?
3: Well, we're going to be out there in California signing bottles. We're doing it in Westbury this weekend at the Total Wine on Saturday. But we will come out and see you. Anyway, Lisa, I'll tell Lisa you said that. It'll make her day. What's going on?
4: Please. I love mezcal, especially in my Negroni. Fantastic the Airbnb quarter was absolutely terrific, with the exception of the quarter two revenue guidance. Okay. Can we buy this? It's like dropped a ton, or should we wait until we oh, what a ingra- great! I ideas? am so
3: glad you called me on this, because I've done a lot of work on Airbnb, and I think the company did itself a little disservice by talking about the macro getting weaker. I think that this is still one more opportunity, just like the last time, Gregory, where you can buy the stock, and I would buy it on Monday Uh, But maybe it's a 105. Maybe you can get it down at 100 because it traded very close to that. And that would be the price I would pick. And thank you for the kind words. And I will tell Lisa about phosphoro. Juan in New York. Juan. Juan's in Nevada. Juan. Hey, Jimmy Chili, I'm in Nevada, and it's getting hotter down here. got hot here today. It was 80 degrees. What can I do? What can I do to help? Hey, I'm a Happy Investing uh, Club member, and I wanted to ask about
1: drafting. And given the recent quarterly report, which was amazing, and the top-notch
3: man- management. Uh, why not add the stock to the Investing Club portfolio? Uh, I worked on this. Okay, so here's the problem. I've said, and this is one, this is a great call. Um, I have said that I'm not going to recommend stocks or own stocks for the club that are losing money. And DraftKings is losing money, but it has tremendous momentum. For traders, Jason Robbins is putting up great numbers and he's taking names. But because of the nature of the travel trust, I'm not going to buy any companies that are losing money. But I do like that idea very, very much. All right. What great callers, huh? concerns about the u.s aren't reason to be worried about when listen in to our monthly meeting next wednesday for more in the club holding and i won't just talk about how it's in vegas where the super bowl is and so you never know we'll show up there in february much more have money ahead as the debt ceiling deadline approaches is your portfolio prepared for any outcome we're diving into your investing decisions by playing kramer faith and my diversified because you know i'm very worried about this debt this debt deal may not come together I gave you my thoughts on gaming and Macau, but there's much more to discuss between China and the markets, and it's pretty darn quizzical. I'm taking a closer look at the country's influence, and I want to call some rapid fire in tonight's dish of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. With all the concerns about the debt ceiling growing by the day, it can be difficult to decide what moves to make for your portfolio. That's why we're playing Am I Diversify? This is where you call me, you tell me your top five holdings. I tell you if your portfolio is diversified. Now, maybe you need to mix it up a little. Ira in Florida, you're a first caller. What do you got for me? Hey, Jim, Ira in Florida. I've been listening for a long time. First time, caller though. out. My Excellent. choices that I
1: have for you tonight are B&G Foods, BGS, Compass Diversified, C O D I, IBM, Con Edison, E D, and Brookfield Infrastructure Partners,
3: B I P. Am I diversified? Well, I'll tell you right from the get-go, you are diversified. Although I'm not so sure I like the stocks. B and G just had its first decent quarter, but I don't like their pastiche of business anymore. I'd really rather see it in a little bit lower yielding stock, but still okay, which would be Campbell Soup. is diversified. I don't want to see that kind of. I mean. That's a segment of real estate I don't feel comfortable with. I'd actually rather see it in Lenore. I know that there's no yield to it, kind of terrific. IBM, good yield, no growth. Brookfield, good growth and good yield. But I want to make that change because I really didn't think that B&G Foods has ever really acquitted itself for what went wrong a few years ago, and I don't like that small dividend. So anyway, I'd make those changes. Let's go up to next, and next in Florida, Tony in Florida. Tony. Hi, Jim. um, I just want to thank you for the club, and I love the new home stretch. It's just wonderful to be home. Oh, thank you. Jeff Barks and I always try to figure out how to make it interesting, and I appreciate it. How can I help you? Okay, yeah, my five stocks
1: I have is Costco, IBM, Merck, United Healthcare, and then I got Berkshire B to try
3: and be even more diversified.
1: Do you think I got the right five stocks?
3: I think you are doing quite well, sir. Merck, I, I have to tell you, I've been very impressed with management here. They have done a remarkable job. The stock's been a horse since the 80s. Uh, United Healthcare. you know we prefer Humana in the uh, club, but United Healthcare was a close number two. Uh, Costco is, I think, right neck and neck right now with Walmart, but if things get tough in the economy, Costco's the one to go to. And how are you going to ever go wrong with Warren Buffett and then IBM, you got a good yield, but don't have that kind of growth. So we've got but what do we have here? We've got a healthcare, we've got a drug company, we have a computer company, we have a, a let's call it a retailer, and let's call it a conglomerate. And that is perfect. And I thank you for those kind words. And now let's go to Donald in Washington. Donald caller I got to you. Donald? Do we have Donald? Yes. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you sound good, Donald. Let's hear what your portfolio oh, yeah, right. is. Uh, Second-time caller here, Jim. Oh, fantastic. Uh, uh, my five stocks are American Electric Power, Union Pacific Railroad, Pepsi, Illinois Toolworks, and Apple. Am I diversified? Wow. I like this portfolio. You know, I like American Electric Power. I think that has got a good yield. It's got fantastic growth. It's very safe. I think that's, you know, Apple, of course, own it, don't trade it. ITW, many people misinterpreted their industrial quarter as not being good. I thought it did quite well. You've got a really good mosaic of industrials under the roof of ITW. New Pacific, you have new management. I wish I knew more about the new management. I am favoring Right now, Canadian Pacific, since they merged with KSU. And then PepsiCo. How can you go wrong? Pepsi is doing a remarkable job. So we have a food company, we have utility, we have t- technology, we have industrial, we have rail. And I think that is a very, very nice portfolio. Uh, next up, we've got Ray in Florida. Ray!
1: Jim, thank you. Of I've course, uh, Ray. Earned and learned from you.
3: Oh, My you uh, top five stocks are. Apple, Berkshire Hathaway, Class B, Pfizer, ExxonMobil, Caterpillar. All right. Let's go to work here. Caterpillar. I want to buy more for the Child trust. We talk about that Wednesday when we have our club meeting at 210. I think it's just a great thing. We've been buying on the way down. We do it for infrastructure in 2024, not for short term orders in 2023. ExxonMobil, one of the class of the league oil companies. I prefer Chevron, but it's neck and neck. Pfizer is having a little bit down on its luck right now. Uh, A lot of things that they have to do are going to have to pan out. I actually prefer Eli Lilly even up here. Um, Apple's own it, don't trade it, and, Ber- and Berkshire Hathaway, Will we just, again, we adore Warren Buffett, does a great job. We have a conglomerate, we have a drug company, we have technology company, we have an oil company, we've got a machinery company, and that, again, machinery being industrial, I like very much. Oh, no, that's it, but what great callers. That Money will be back after the break.
1: Coming up. What's in your mind, America Give us a call. The lightning round is storming the NYSE. Next.
3: It is time! It's time for the lightning round. Conservative Rap wrap goes on. As you know, you play out. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski-daddy. over. The lightning round. Here's the morning episode with Chip in Texas. Chip. Yes, sir. Booyaka, booyaka. Oh, hey, this man. Chip. Does Chip come in hot? What's going on, Chip? Yes, sir. This is Chip Hangan from Dallas, Texas, a.k.a. the Transylvania Vampire. Didn't know That's they even thing. had them down there. What's up? Words <laughs> Galactic Holdings, base. Oh, man. Bro, I'd rather invest in a Transfolkalvanian vampire because I gotta tell you something. That company's losing money hand over. Fa- I think it probably lost like a million dollars during the course of this phone call. We're gonna have to say no to that company. How about Steve in New York, Steve? Jimmy Chill, my mentor. First oh. time caller, long time pickleball player. Okay. There you go. My wife loves that game. What's going on?
1: Uh, Everything's good. Good. I know the environment's changed a lot, Jimmy, but you loved fastly a wall back in 90. Well, but that was the day.
3: Those were the days, the halcyon days, when all we cared about was revenue growth. But about almost a year ago, we decided you needed to make some money, too, and those guys have not gotten with the program. So the answer is no. Let's go to Clinton in Florida. Clinton. Hey, Jim, it looks like uh, AST Space Mobile has had some success with their technology, but they're not making any money yet. What do you Well, think? then what are we going to say, Clinton, other than... Sell, 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 Because sell, we sell, are what I call ringers with integrity on this show. Let's go to Brandon in North Carolina. Brandon.
4: Booyah, Jim. I'd like Brandon. to give a shout out to my buddy, Paul, who just retired. Cool, man.
3: Enjoy retirement. Have a great go fishing. What's up? Thanks. Thanks. I'm calling about Rocket Mortgage. uh, No, keep calling. We got nothing good to say about Rocket Mortgage. Hey, I'll throw in that Matt Ispia uh, mortgage company, too. We don't like mortgage companies. We do like the way Matt played the the game, though, on the sidelines. That was pretty darn good. Let's go to Jeremy in California. Jeremy.
0: Hey, Kramer. this company has zero debt, strong balance sheet, seasoned CEO, large institutional and insider ownership. What is your outlook for
3: CPRX? Okay, this is a company that I think is a terrific spec because it's got medical solutions, and a lot of the medical companies need somebody like this. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the lightning round! The lightning round is
1: sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, the China conundrum is as real as ever. So why does the enormous communist economy look so much like ours? Kramer has more next.
3: What the heck is really happening in China? In all my years trying to analyze this colossus, not since Nixon went to China have I been as baffled as I am now. Of course, there's the obvious. We know our governments decide to limit what China can buy from us when it comes to the highest of tech. We ban the H100, for heaven's sake. That's NVIDIA's most important card for generative artificial intelligence, which is a pretty major restriction because no other chipmaker comes close to NVIDIA when it comes to AI. Our governments also ban them from getting the best of the semiconductor capital equipment so they can't make chips that can be used by the People's Liberation Army. We know the Chinese government went back to its communist roots a couple of years ago with a major crackdown on the conspicuously wealthy. But they've eased up on that in recent months. How about the consumer? What's going on here? Last night, Richemont, that's the European luxury company that makes Cartier watches, reported an astounding quarter. And the upside, where did it come from? China. Now that the Chinese government's lifted its draconian COVID restrictions. If you can't buy a mansion in China, how do you show that you're rich? Richemont Cartier. We saw the same thing from LVMH, the French luxury goods conglomerate, which shot the lights out at its upscale merchandise. And where was it doing that? China. And we got some Macau Casino numbers, as I mentioned earlier, that show how the big gamblers have already been coming back. So far, so good. Last week, Steve Kovac and I had a call with Tim Cook, who made it clear that Apple's phones are selling very well over there. They're expensive. But then there's the tale of two phones. Not only after Apple, we heard from both Skyworks Solutions and Qualcomm, two telco chip makers. They both said that Android, which had been a real start in China for ages, has simply hit a wall. I was flabbergasted at how the mighty have fallen, but it's pretty clear it's in keeping with the idea that the rich are spending like bad in China. They don't want cheap phones that run on Android, they want to pamper for Apple. Or maybe the rich can afford Apple, and the rest of the country is too worried to be able to buy anything. Even Coach in Division of Tapestry, which makes upscale handbags did incredibly well in China. But what did just okay? first Starbucks, which gave us a so-so forecast. Shocking, given we thought sales would come roaring back out of the gate if they were reopening. I still believe we are it for the trust. As I said to a caller at the top of the show, we didn't see good numbers from Estee Lauder, which could argue and let's say they sell expensive cosmetics, but the purchase point are from duty-free stores that have been favorites of the middle class when they travel, and they just had too much inventory at those stores. If you didn't know better, you might have to conclude that China's become like a normal late stage capitalist country, where the rich have a lot of money and are spending like crazy. But the middle class seems to be slipping back into a more subdued spending pattern, perhaps indicative of a newfound class conflict that flies in the face of what's supposed to be a communist country. At this point, these numbers are still anecdotal. Maybe we can change as we get further into China's reopening. But right now, it is fair to say that if you want to talk about the rich getting richer and being flashy about it, clearly China's become no different from America. Speaking as one of the nouveau riche, I can tell you it's an identity that does indeed transcend borders. I like to say, as always, more somewhere. And I promise I'll find it just for you right here on my money I'm Jim Kramer. See you Monday. Last call
4: starts now.